Em Rossiano. All that stuff can get really ratty. And you can look like you got a dead spider on your eyelid. And Michael Lucas. I was surprised at how many different forms of vibrators she had on staff. This is Em Salation. What advice would you give your teenage self, Michael Lucas? You're gay. It's pretty easy. <laughs> You're in Em Salation. Hello. Welcome. You made it. You're here. It is the first official edition of Emsolation as a Spotify exclusive. My name is Em Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a maximalist power queen, and I will be your spiritual guide for the next well, hour or so today. You've got a bumper edition. Joining me, as always, will be my very best friend since I was 11, one Michael Lucas, not the porn star, the screenwriter. Dudes, if you Google... If you Google Michael Lucas, he's a, he's a very famous porn star in LA. That's not him. It's the other one. It's the writer. <laughs> so uh, this podcast was born in lockdown in Melbourne in 2020. We were in stage, I don't know, 58. Couldn't leave the house. So Michael and I decided to maybe start recording our conversations. Thought maybe other people would like to listen to them. And it's kind of turned into a thing, such a thing that Spotify said, hey, guys, we love you and we want to have you in our house, just our house. You're not allowed to sleep around. You've got to just be with us. And we were like, yeah, cool. So here we are. If you've come in from other platforms, welcome. We will look after you. We will rub your shoulders in a non-creepy fashion. We'll offer you snacks, drinks, gin, whatever you need. We are here for you. So I am actually right now recording this intro up where it all began. I'm in my roof. I'm literally under a fort. I've built a blanket fort so I could get some kind of soundproofing. It feels fitting to be back where it began. So last night uh, we recorded what you're about to hear and there was red wine involved. <laughs> there was a lot of people in the room. We all got together. I'm. This whole podcast is run by a team of gay men and my daughter, Marcella, who does the social media. Are you following us at Emsolation Podcast? Gemma, my assistant, also takes part. So uh, most of us were together last night for this recording. And look, there's a lot, as always. We're going to start off with a bit of Benefar. And then Michael interviews me about my recent diagnosis of ADHD. Yep, there you go. Just dropping that straight in here right now in the intro. I... Um, Wrote a Facebook post earlier in the week that's gone it's gone a little bit viral. She needs some antibiotics. And I realised just how many people are wanting, I guess, someone with a platform and in the public eye to represent them. I'm still figuring it out. I'm still only going to be doing it. I know. I said I wouldn't talk about it, but here I am. But that's an ADHD symptom, remember. Oversharing. So I said I felt safe with Michael. Obviously, he's the person I love and trust the most in the world other than the people who I live with. And so, yeah, I I walked away worried <laughs> that I wasn't articulate enough, that you won't get enough from it. It's a really strange place that I'm in and I'm going through cycles of grief and elation and adjusting to medication. So I hope the chat helps you in some way. Um, but yeah, that, it was, a, I didn't sleep very well last night. I was thinking, should I edit it out? I don't know. But I hope you get something out of it. If anything, maybe a better understanding of people who have ADHD and um guess the battles that every day kind of present. And then something that has been in the making for a good, I want to say 25 years. My other dear friend, Dan Brophy, uh, some of you may know him. He's out and about. He's a, a model and a director and just an all round fabulous human, beautiful, beautiful man. And I've known him since he was 16. He loves Madonna. And as you all know, 
Michael Lucas loves Madonna. And I'm not just saying, you know, knows a few songs. They both claim to be the foremost experts on Madonna in my life, in the world. So finally, I got them together and we did a Madonna off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We did a quiz and uh, I had the questions written by the head of the Australian fan club. So they were legit and hard and it got, look, it got dirty. I'm not going to lie. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's, it was really fun. So yeah, we're going to do some Benefar. We're going to do some ADHD chat and then we're going to finish off with the Madonna quiz. And that may seem like a completely random series of content, but if you're a regular listener, you know that is a business as usual for us. So we're going to get straight in now. I hope you enjoyed the new theme music. Did you notice that we've got Elevated? You know, we've got a big band. I just want to personally say again, I'm going to get Terry. What a big deal this is that you've come with us, that you've chosen us, that we are now finally here at Spotify, that I am making a living off of something that I love doing. I can't believe I get to do this for my job. Um, At 42 years of age, I can finally say I've landed in something that is just so wonderful and um, I can't do it without you. I can't do it without your ears. Make sure that you are following us on Spotify too. That helps us on the charts. So um, it's my great pleasure to now say, play the music. M. Luciano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Hello and welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we are cramped. Hello, everyone. Um, we're cramped into Michael's tiny little editing suite in his house. And we've got Ben's in here. Say hi, Ben. Hi, Ben. Liam's in here. Say hi, Liam. Hi, Liam. And we got Michael Lucas, obviously. Hello, Hello, Ben. Hello, darling. <laughs> Um, we've got cameras rolling, we've got multiple microphones, it's a full-scale setup. We've got at least three varieties of pads and tampons <laughs> stocked. Oh, what a surprise he's brought up the emsolation menstruation situation. It's an easy win for me. Mate, I was so mad. <laughs> so he puts this, he does bare minimum. He fucking goes down to the supermarket and doesn't even get organic ones, by the way, and buys like four or five things, sets it up with a candle, and then, oh, is it not the most liked photo you've ever put up? I spent seven and a half minutes putting that post on, Em. (laughs) And yes, it is. I I just want to point out how easy it is for you to be a good bloke. How easy it is for people to go, oh, well done, Michael. But you know what? I provide toilet paper for you at my house so you don't get skid marks on your jocks. Where's my fucking parade? Huh? Where's my parade? Like you are providing the bare minimum for a natural bodily function that happens to a woman that they can't control. It's the same as toilet paper, bro. I will be sure next time I'm at your house, if I do need to use your toilet paper, I will verbally thank you. And if you later choose to post the fact that you provided the toilet paper, then I'll support it. I'll like it. Good. <laughs> Liking's not enough. You've got to save the post. You've got to send it to someone else. You've got to write a comment. Liking is the least important thing you can do. <laughs> so, yes, we're here. Um, it's a special edition. It's the first time that we are a Spotify exclusive. It is. Um, and Extensive theme music. The fanfare. Hey, we have new theme music. No, I know. Oh. You haven't even heard it yet. No. I know. I'll have to play it to you. We have elevated big bandy theme music and we also have new outro music. (gasps) 
I know, it's a whole new world. We're totally professional, but still this crazy chaos in the middle. We're bookended by professionalism, but the middle part is us. Before we get to the main topic of discussion, I mean, I haven't really told everyone what we're doing, but I don't know, I'll do it in the intro. Um, Benefer, I'm obsessed. I'm so obsessed with what's happening with Jennifer um, Lopez. Lopez and Ben, ben. Affleck. I just is that weird? I just realised that his ex-wife and his girlfriend have the same name. Oh yeah, I've often thought about because that. Because I just referred to Jennifer Lopez as JLo. I don't know why I went formal then. Why don't yeah. I go with formal JLo name? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I choose to call her Jennifer in the Block if I can, but that's time-consuming. Hundo, Hundo P. Jennifer in the Block. So we did um, report on last week's episode amongst all the period chat. Somehow we got it in there that they have been seen together, mm. and you were like. Oh no! You didn't really believe, did you? I had a I had a really boring logical explanation for why they might be catching up because they were on that Vax Live thing. Mm. Subsequently, mm. there has been some breaking developments, <laughs> and the story it appears <laughs> <laughs> has exponentially grown. And it's my favorite kind because there's so many conspiracy theories because it's all we have in the world. Like people our age, this is our like moment to re-obsess over something because you brought up an excellent point which I wish I had a thought of and I'm not going to steal but you have a you have a, a theory as to why people our age especially are obsessed with Benefer. Yeah well I mean basically uh, you might recall that last year <laughs> Brad Pitt and Je- Jennifer um, Aniston. Another Jennifer. It's like it. It's Jennifer's everywhere. It's a night of a thousand Jennifer's. My mum can make an appearance. It's like Hollywood is dominated by 40-something white women. How's that happened? How dare you? <laughs> Meanwhile, Gwyneth Paltrow said today that the pandemic got so bad she resorted to eating bread. <gasps> oh, my God. Legitimately, legitimately said that her low point, not all the millions of people who died around the world, not the fact that industries were shut down, her low point was the fact that she ate bread. Oh, look, that you see a-, a lot of stats about the pandemic, but I think if it one stat brings it into sharp focus, it's how many carbs Gwyneth Paltrow ate. She's so What's relatable. What's happened in the world? She's just so relatable. That's what I love about Gwenny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we digress. But we digress. Yes, I. if you recall, Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt had their little... They 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 met up at some sort of awards show and they clutched each other's hand Touched and he hands. looked at her lovingly and the entire world basically stopped. I mean, this was I think it was actually before the pandemic, wasn't it? We were obsessed. We were absolutely obsessed, but it kind of went nowhere. nowhere. There was nowhere for it to go, and so we, I felt like we had all this pent up decades in the making yeah. um, romantic erst energy happening mm. and with nowhere to put it, nowhere to, and then now. Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck Gentleman have come Affleck. along to give us the platform yep. that we need. And it is it is the fact that it is 20 years in the making. It's so exciting. The moment. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. I mean, I was getting so needy for this type of thing. I was starting to wish that Lockie and Emma Wiggle got back together. I was oh. starting to, like, root for those two to get back together. He just had twins. She's engaged. But part of me, like, oh, no, I'm like, maybe did he touch her arm? They are doing, like, Corey together when they're on tour. So now I've got this whole story going, but now I can let them be and let them live their lives. I did go to the Wiggle show on the weekend. And I do <laughs> they, a Wiggle They must now. be so relieved. And we just say, congratulations, at ease, folks. Don't tear up your life so that him gets a bit of entertainment. No. But it is, it's the perfect level of it's, it's, it absorbs you, you can obsess over it and then still have a wonderful night's sleep. That's, that's what we need. It's all we care, no responsibility. Yeah, yeah, I love it, I love it, I love it. So anyway, now, just today, he has been seen whisking her off to some kind of getaway, some kind of holiday, 
And I was contacted because people know of our obsession and I had a JLo insider contact me <laughs> via Instagram. And may I share with you, the conspiracy theories are off their tits, both of them. They're amazing. And you know I love a conspiracy theory. I mean, fact. So the first, oh, this is really spicy. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I have, dear M, I have a very close family connection to someone in JLo's camp. We laugh a lot about this story and we are so shocked that people are buying it hook, line and sinker. It's total bullshit. So they're not dating. It's not a real thing. (laughs) Completely the Hollywood machine trying to change the narrative. JLo can still get the guy. She's still hot and desirable. Trying to make people forget about the alleged A-Rod cheating scandal. A-Rod, who leans towards younger women, as does Ben, as we know, who also currently needs a boost. Ooh, (laughs) the tea is hot, you guys. Um, His image is a bit shaky and uh, J-Lo is feeling like she's been rejected. So now the new story is she's still hot. He can still get the girl all smiles. It's not true. (laughs) Look, I don't want to be a sceptic. Let me tell you there's a second message. Oh, okay. A second message. Okay, I know someone who works for her PR. Ooh! <laughs> now, apparently, the a- this has come up after the A-Rod split because they wanted to take the spotlight of how her fiancé was allegedly cheating on her with younger women so it makes her still look desirable and Ben good. They are both in on it together. <gasps> either way, I don't care. Like, either way, they're hanging out together again. I mean, who's to say maybe it started out as a professional arrangement and then maybe they've gone away together and they probably booked like adjoining rooms with separate beds, but maybe like at midnight they're both standing at the door. The movie writes itself. I'm going to say this is an excellent movie premise. Two celebrities that it's good for their image to pretend to be in a relationship. Was that the was that the premise of America's Sweethearts? Either way, it would really I'll watch the it shit would out work. Of that. They could star in it. A million percent. They've got a bit of a tortured history on screen together. It hasn't worked out well in the past, unless you count the Jenny from the Block video clip, which was spectacular. But apart from that, it hasn't worked out. <laughs> I rewatched the Jenny from the Block video last week. It is a fucking masterpiece. Why oh. didn't that? That is it's better than like Beyonce's single ladies clip. It's amazing. We get boats. We get sexy petrol pumping. We get ass rubbing. Like mm. Ben Affleck staring like dreamily into the camera. Like I didn't realise that he starred so much in it. It was such oh, a mistake. What totally was he did. thinking? And the ass rubbing. I think we also have to, like we have, if you played it towards the youth of today, oh, yeah. you have to sort of tell them that at the time, like we're in a very ass heavy time right now, but back then oh, thank God the, for the, Kardashians. the ass was Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, that was it. Like there was no Kardashians. It was only ass allowed. Yeah, because it was tits. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was so, so fulsome. Yeah. There was a little Kylie ass that was allowed in certain mm. territories in the world, but not like J Lo's. Like she was the ass woman. She was the ass. And so for him to go in that video clip and give it a good rub yeah. was like that was that was a real yeah chef's kiss. Yeah, <laughs> J Lo. Yeah, I mean, but, I say it, I say it every week. I say it every week. Thank God for the Kardashians because as a big as a big bottomed woman. It took the and the flat-chested woman with a big bottom. Mm. It took the tension away from the tits, and it's like, okay, asses are in. Thank God, asses are in. Thank <laughs> God, asses are in. That's I mean, the, the downside is I need to eradicate every line from my face, and I have to have so much contouring. There's an inch of makeup, but apart from that, my ass, I'm not worried about it anymore. Asses are in. But I do. I 
Look, I'm just going to say about your insider's tip. I don't think it's making anyone think, oh, J-Lo can still pick up a hot guy. It's just making think, oh, she's desperate. She's going back to the ex. That is what everyone thinks. So that is why I... I'm not going to question your insider, but if all I will say, if, if that was the strategy, I, 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 I question its effectiveness. It's a terrible strategy because everyone's looking at it going, girl, here's a walking red flag. You could do so much better. If you need to, boink a backing dancer again. You've got, she's got priors. Do the Wendy Ding. Sure. Oh, yes, the <laughs> Wendy Ding. Get the old guy out. She's got go the for beach the hot- ready to go. Million percent. Yeah, yeah. She, she could hire someone better than Affleck. So that Mal makes me believe that it's real. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I think by and large it's not aspirational enough Mm-mm. to be a fake. I think it's unfortunately got the, it's got the horrible sort of rebound mm. desperation. Because mm. she's real, what you get is what you see. <laughs> she has so many bangers, honestly. When Marcello was making the stories last week, she was just playing the hit after hit. Which well, she now we're on she... Spotify. This is probably linking oh, to our playlist. Let's make sure we get JLo on the M Salation playlist. I like playlist. that right. Do you? Yeah, I love that one. Okay. What a journey we've had. We're M with a heavily credentialed insiders and now in the space of two minutes. How dare you? How dare you question my Instagram anonymous <laughs> DMs? <laughs> and I just want to say, M is a sceptical person in many, many respects and also a security conscious person in many, many respects. But if you've got some celebrity trash, she will take it without, you don't need to show many credentials there. <laughs> You just need to write, I have a friend on the inside. She's in. How dare you? And that is correct. I feel attacked and seen all at once. (laughs) Um, All right. So I wrote a little Facebook post um, last night. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why I did it. But I just needed to, like, it was burning in my fingertips. So I wrote it out and then I just press send because that's the personality of an ADHD person. And it has gone a little bit viral. So we thought you and I discussed it and we thought it's probably time that we talk about the the diagnosis. <laughs> Is that that's the official pronunciation? The diagnosis. Yeah. Um it's been I don't know. As as I said in the post, I still feel a weird amount of shame around the diagnosis because it was too easy. It's like, mm. oh, so now this person who's perpetually disorganised and messy and unreliable and, you know, has it's too easy, I've got something to blame. Like it's not a real thing. Right. I have imposter syndrome around my ADHD diagnosis. Mm-mm. And apparently that's very common, my psychologist says, mm. in women. Men, not so much. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anytime it kind of gets brought up, I feel like, I don't know, like it's the stubbed toe of neurodiversity, like it's not really that kind of, there's no gravitas. Well, yeah, and it feel, it's got that element of, you know, like the, the thing with chronic fatigue is everyone is like, well, I get tired, What's it? And, and people are like, well, I'm disorganised, yeah. I get distracted, yeah. maybe I have it, yeah. I don't blame it. So, yeah, yeah, there's always that stigma about there's it. There's a terrible stigma around it. And also the, the main stigma around ADHD for, for everyone is that idea of the five-year-old boy bouncing off walls who can't drink red cordial who, like, is totally disruptive in class and everyone just wants him to go away. That's the idea I think most people have about ADHD. Oh, that's the idea I had. Mm. Me too. And me too. And I, I knew those boys. They disrupted so many classes. They terrorised us. <laughs> but it is tricky, isn't it? Because, I mean, the thing about women with a variety of, mm. of um, neurological and mental health things is they mask. Women learn to mask. With men it's just unfortunately all out in the opening. But actually fortunately because it means things get diagnosed, whereas women learn to code their look and their behaviour and their, so that you can never 
No yeah. one can pick anything is wrong. And I certainly have been doing that for my whole life. Well, I want to know. Okay, so go. Let's talk okay, about... Michael, Michael's going to be yarn event and interview me. Well, um, <laughs> that was my yarn event. It was Hello, Yana. Hello, Yana. Okay, so we agreed that Michael would interview me about the ADHD. Go. And I, well, the first thing is okay. So obviously, this is a very recent diagnosis. We're talking in the last few months. Mm. What? How did you get on the path towards getting this diagnosis? What was it about the past year? I mean, obviously for many, many, and I do think that there is this consistent thing that a lot of people post-2020 have been uh, have been examining the mental health because basically it was under attack so badly. Mm-hmm. But what was it for you? What, what? How did you get on this path towards the diagnosis? I think, well, you, you hit the nail on the head. It was the fact that I was forced to kind of stop down within my own environment and I wasn't chronically busy and I started, I just was like, and I kept saying to you, Michael, I'm exhausted. Do you remember what I was just saying mm. to you? I'm so tired. Mm. I'm just exhausted all the time. And all my symptoms, I started developing really bad OCD. Um, I was having bad intrusive thoughts. I couldn't finish anything. I couldn't read emails. I couldn't answer text messages. And everything just seemed to be getting on top of me. And initially I thought I was going through menopause. Mm. So I just went to my doctor and he's actually the doctor who pulled me from my mother's vision. So he's known me my whole life. <laughs> And I want you to know, um, Dr. Tony was wearing a Hawaiian shirt when he and um, glittery Cuban heeled boots when he pulled. He's a straight man when he pulled me out, and he still wears that stuff in the in the theater. So my first view was like a half drunk man in a Hawaiian shirt with glittery shoes. So appropriate, so appropriate. So I kind of went to see him, and he said, "What's up?" And I said. I'm losing my mind, Tony. I burst into tears in the office and I said, and I kind of described everything and how I was feeling and I'm feeling like super oversensitive and I can't concentrate on anything, da, 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 da. And he said to me, um, well, you know, what do you think it is? And, and he said, you're, you're a smart person. And I said, well, is it menopause or could it? And I remember just, I don't know why I said it. Honestly, I just said, oh, could it be like something like ADHD? And he said, well, let's check. Mm. So we checked my hormones and he sent me off to a neural behavioural psychologist and the hormones came back normal and the neural behavioural psychologist test did not. <laughs> and and so what was the, that test? Was it a scan? Or yeah. Was it, yeah. So they put um, electrodes on your head and they monitor your brain activity f- um, like just sitting still, like no stimulus. You just sit there with your eyes shut, literally, and they monitor what your brain does when you have no stimulus. Mm. And then I also had to do a thing called a TOVA, which is an, an attention test. And I was not good at that. Like during the test, I knew I was failing it. Like during the test, I wanted to go to the nurse. Excuse me, just tank this. Just, I've failed. Like I couldn't. Basically all you had to do was press the button every time a white dot appeared in a certain spot. And about, and it was like 15 minutes that I had to do it. And by about 60 seconds, I was like, I was anticipating the dot. I was trying to cheat the test <laughs> and then and then I like looked out the window and I'm like, what am I going to cook for dinner? Oh, shit, I've missed a dot. So it was bad. And so the attention test showed me straight away. I'm like, okay, well, if this is the measure, I'm fucked. And then sure enough, I was negative seven and the worst is negative ten. And we should also say there was an attention because sometimes I think one of the difficult things about it is because it's ADHD, attention deficit, you sort of just narrowly focus on that. But there was, I remember in the lockdown, like you were talking about him had a contract to write a book and it was not going well. Like you were finding it physically painful. You just couldn't do it. But it was a confusing one because I also was finding it hard to write, but I still was. Mm. I still was getting a lot done. So the attention part of it still is a big part of it, only the the symptoms spread out much further yeah. than that. Yeah, I was paralysed 
during lockdown, I couldn't start or finish a thing. I felt like a really like disgruntled, uncomfortable cat trying to find a spot to lay down and sit. And I like I knew I had to sit down and write this book, and so I would open it up and I would sit down and I'd start to feel a bit fizzy and a bit sleepy, and then I would like have to do a, a lap around the room, and then I'd write like one sentence, and then I'd check Instagram, and then I have to walk away again, and then I'd come back, and it would take me about two hours to sit down, and then once I got there. I could write for a bit and then that was it. I was done. I was exhausted. Mm. And this was the thing that was happening every day. But also my whole life has been pinpointed by strange behaviour that that I've just always put down to the point that I'm a weirdo. Well, and also you don't share a lot of it. Like mm-hmm. I, like some of the OCD symptoms that you talked about, like you're talking about you having to tap. Touch wood. Yeah, what is that? I haven't even noticed that. I've never even well, seen you, it. You, you, I just do that. But I have to do it like... I was doing it up to 100 times a day in the end because they asked me to keep track of the, the behaviour. So any time I have an intrusive thought, something like Scott's going to have a bike accident, ironic, um, something's going to happen to my dad, something's going to happen to the dogs, anything, any time it comes to my head, if I can't find wood to touch, it's it's a foregone conclusion, it's definitely going to happen. Oh, so my brain obsesses over finding and it can't be, like, it has to be real wood. Like it, ha- it can't be like veneer or like it's something fake or laminex. Like I have to go and find the wood and I can't live my life until I've found the wood to tap. Yeah. And it was getting out of control, that OCD response to the intrusive thoughts. Okay, so you get the test back and it's like a negative seven. Negative seven. And basically this psychologist said to me, I can't believe what you have managed to achieve considering how severely you have ADHD. Mm. But here's another question that I have. Partially, are some of your achievements because? Yes. Okay. So break that down for me. Like I know it's a massive um, handicap in some ways to have, to be able to have to push through things. But then on the other hand, does your brain have to get hyper yes. good at some things? Like yes. what? So the main result of the ADHD behaviour in the positive column was the risk-taking behaviour. So I don't have fear in unfamiliar situations when it comes to myself. Like I have a lot of fear, anxiety around my family and friends. But if it's throwing myself into the deep end, I have no fear about it. So the example of that would be auditioning for a singing competition when I'm not a singer and I don't really know music and I don't really have any business being there but doing it anyway. Or, you know, taking a job in broadcast radio as a breakfast announcer Mm. in Perth when I've never even walked into a radio studio. Or starting stand-up comedy having never told a joke in my life. But Mm. sure, I'll just write a show and get on stage and do the comedy. And I, I, the risk-taking behaviour for me, all the tattoos... Um, you know, having just deciding to have a baby at 21, all those things, moving interstate, like just at a, like I'm a totally in the moment hedonistic person <clears throat> who needs instant gratification all the time. So the risk taking gave that to me. Um, and I don't know that I would have done but all those. Yeah, all those risks were good though. Yeah, but at the time they seemed insane. They seemed, and they could have gone so, so badly. Think about it. They could have, but they didn't. A non-singer doing a singing competition, a non-broadcaster going into radio, a non-stand-up writing a stand-up show. Like everything I've ever done has been, what the audacity? I have the audacity of a straight white man in his 50s. But I still feel like a lot of people listening would think, I wish if I had her ability, I wish that I, and you did always have the ability to back it up. Well, I didn't. I think I'm very, very good uh, at um, bluffing and pretending and treading water because my whole life I've had to do that Mm. to kind of mask what was really happening. So I think I'm a master of delivering just enough to appear competent and then I ferociously study it and don't sleep so I become a master. Mm. But I'm I'm good enough to fake it first. And Mm. I faked it with everything I've done. I've learnt on the fly everything Mm. about my career. 
I've been self-taught. And so, okay, so 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 that aspect. What what were the other big parts of ADHD that were just like massive? Like, oh yeah, that explains. That's it. Um, just the weird stuff, like this total sensory overload. The world coming at me at a hundred at all times. Like walking into a shopping center, I will hear people pressing on the FPOS machine, I'll hear the music from the shop, I'll hear the doors opening and closing, I'll hear people talking, I'll hear trash cans being emptied and that all comes at me all at once, all the time and I'm desperately trying to kind of filter it out and maybe have a conversation with the person I'm with and I just thought that's how it was for everyone. Yeah, that's interesting actually because sometimes, I mean there have been many times where I've sort of felt like sometimes I've wanted to, it's clear that you were sensitive and would feel things very heavily and sometimes like I just want to say, don't worry about it. Like, mm. just do, and I, I guess it's sort of recognizing that I guess I had some sort of ability to say I can just categorize that in don't worry about it. Mm-mm. And but you lacked that ability, mm. and sometimes it felt like you were obsessing on things that really you don't have to worry mm. about this. Mm. Yeah, and but that's why you're my best friend, I think, because you're very good at saying to me, no, it doesn't matter, and here's why. But a lot of people would just look at me and go, you're just too hard. This is too hard. Mm. You're like, and I do, I obsess over tiny little single things and one emotion can sweep me away for, do you know, Mm. like one tiny thing I'll obsess over and I'll say to you, my whole day is ruined. I'm absolutely desolate over this. And that's not normal, but I didn't know that. I just thought I was like overly sensitive and a bit nutty. But you did, which in a complicated way. You have, as an adult, developed the ability to recognise. Like mm. often you'll declare it, to me at least, you'll declare it. You'll go, oh, I'm in a black mood. I, I, I can't, like I'm, just, I'm a write-off today. Forget it. Mm. And But even that in itself is a pretty sophisticated thing to be able to do, to just sort of step out of yourself a bit, a, a, enough at least to, to, to make that situation, I don't know, work. But, I mean, in some ways that's a trap. Maybe it meant that you didn't get diagnosed for way longer. I think so. And also because I was just able to mask it so well. But... I, I, like I, I found pictures of me as a kid and um, I just cried because I looked at her little face and I just remember she was just, I was always ferociously studying people to figure out how to like get away with appearing normal but also not saying, because I always want to say the thing that comes straight into my mind, always. Mm. Like I have a compulsion to speak without filter, which mm. we know. <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah, which is also, I'm going to say, part of your charm. But it's not great when you're a kid and you're having these thoughts. No. That, you know, so for me it was always minimising myself, being smaller, being quiet, not drawing attention, but also just busting out at the seams to want to. So it was this constant battle within me and I didn't know that that's what it wasn't like for other kids. And honestly, they were, the maths teacher would stand in front of me and they would deliver on this, like they would write the problem down and I could not write it down as it appeared on the blackboard and then I wouldn't understand it and I'd go home and I would sit and I'll stare at it and I'll cry and cry and cry because I could not figure out maths. But there were kids in my class who I knew I was smarter than who were totally getting it, mm. but I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then I get pulled aside. You're not trying hard enough. You're very bright. You get distracted very easily. We need you to try harder. Why are you being mm. lazy with this stuff? But then the things that I was interested in, I get fucking obsessed with. Like it's a laser obsession. It's like... I cannot. If something engages me, I have to study it all the way to the edges until it's broken and worn out and clocked. <laughs> I will learn every syllable Pretty of that much. salt and pepper wrap. All of it. I was amazing at salt and pepper wraps. That's why my mum always screamed at me. If you need 12 times tables as well as you need fucking salt and pepper wraps. She never said fucking. I threw that in. My mum doesn't swear. Um, so, yeah, it's been – It's and I'm still unravelling it. But just like I said, things like I can't wear hair ties around my wrist because I feel like I'm choking. I can't follow recipes. I can't follow maps. I can't follow instructions to put IKEA furniture together. My brain lacks executive function, which is what was explained to me on the very first day of my diagnosis. It's an orchestra who have incredible musicians but no conductor. 
So there's right. no leadership in my brain whatsoever. There's none. Everyone's and, just, it's just chaos. And and so what's the, in terms of treatment and everything like that? What does that look like? And also what sort of can, is it just as case of you will manage it and you'll have mm-hmm. more self-knowledge or is it a case of you can improve some of this or all or of what? that? So I'm on medication. I'm on a slow release Ritalin and um it's been for me, and I'm, I'm really hesitant to talk about the medication because I don't want anyone to listen to this go, oh, that's what I need and it's a magic bullet. For me it has been. I have to say within half an hour of taking it, it was like putting on glasses for the first time. It was like the world came into sharp focus mm. and the normal shouty internal monologue that I had stopped mm. Just, and my anxiety is pretty much gone. Mm. It's been ridiculously incredible um, but I have been really reluctant to talk about it because it, it's worked specifically for mind brain chemistry and my situation, but it won't be the same for other people. So I don't want anyone listening now to think, oh, then the answer is Ritalin. It's not perhaps for you. But for me, I'm also doing like weekly therapy sessions with a clinical psychologist. I'm also making drastic changes to my diet. I've cut out all gluten. I've cut out all additives. I'm like only drinking rarely when Michael like bullies me. I've (laughs) given up coffee completely. I exercise every day. I'm really protective of my energy and my dopamine levels. I'm really good at now articulating things to to people when they ask me something or I can't understand it or I can't, I'm really good at saying I've ADHD, Mm. so I need you to kind of slow down and do that again. Mm -hmm. So it's not one thing, it's a combination of a total lifestyle change. I've certainly noticed that you're... um you're more settled somehow. Mm. I don't like there are certain things like even tonight I was running late and the M of old, it's not that I was worried you'd be angry or annoyed or anything like that, but there, I guess, I guess I could mostly say, Oh, I'm worried if I'm late, it will unsettle her in some way. I'm and so it, sorry. No, I no, it's fine. Like the, no, know, but, but I was going to say this, but this time I just, I just sort of felt like for, even though it's only been like a few weeks, I even felt like, Oh, she'll be fine. And you were, you're nothing completely is, fine. Nothing phases me anymore. Whereas before everything phased me, everything Every tiny thing fucking faced me. And now I'm I'm fine. It's so strange and it's sad. And well, it's, we talk about that as well because it's come with an element of grief. I'm, I'm cycling through the most intense grief because I just think about all the relationships I've tanked and bombed, all the jobs, all the things I could have perhaps done, the, the terrible self-talk and my terrible self-esteem is all a result of me thinking that, you know, all the the teachers and people that told me that I didn't try hard enough, that I'm lazy, that I'm messy, all those things are true. So, mm. yeah, I just, I, I, all that, but I'm processing it. It's it, it's it's a process and the grief, it's the time that I've lost. It's the saddest part, I think. I'm 42. I'm not like dead, or, but I'm halfway. <laughs> and I just think every day for me was so hard up until eight weeks ago. I would wake up in the morning and I wasn't sure if I was going to cry, scream, break something, like want to drive my car off a cliff. I I didn't know what I was facing because I was so beholden to everything around me and other people's, the way they approached Mm. me. So every day I had to fight so hard to try and find a normal. And now I wake up and it's just a foregone conclusion that it's going to be normal. I know. I mean, my thing about the grief was just, I look. I mean, the, the part that was been really—it's it's all about me at the end of the day. Good. The part that was difficult for me was, I guess, I guess I kind of felt like, especially when you were saying you were so grief-stricken. And I granted, obviously, it would be—you know, obviously, your life would have been much easier if you'd been diagnosed early. But there was my initial reaction was, but would you have been you? Like, and as someone who's like experienced the past couple few decades with you, I just—I I, like for you're me, you're the would only be a- person that likes me. For me. <laughs> 
It's oh, really true. true. No, for all the people. I think this is a solid half a million people no, out there. But that they, will... they only know public M. I really struggle with, like, I've got the same tight friends that I've had for a couple of decades. I, I'm not good at. I don't. Mm. Good, I'm not good at making new friends because I don't trust that they're going to like me when they really get to know me. So, right. but you really know me better than anyone else, and you also enjoy tragic, dramatic, over the top, completely wound up, bonkers divas. You love those people. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know that you're of good measure, but. Yes, I have a lot of a great community, but they only get a curated version of him. I know. I look all, I guess all I mean is as much as I, and you know, obviously, obviously, I wish that you, we'd been onto this diagnosis. And also because the post-diagnosis you is still you, but I, but I guess it's just, it admits the grief. It's just, <laughs> I'm glad I that know. you were you. Yeah. But I, I as, as someone who lived me. No, I know. And obviously <laughs> there were all these dimensions that, I mean, I, there's so many elements of it that I didn't It's really know. hard work to be a Rossiano pre-diagnosis, I'll tell you. I'm amazed I survived as long as I did. I'm going to wrap it up, the chat now, but I will be obviously delving into it more and finding more about myself. And as I said, ADHD the musical possibly in the next five years. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do want to talk about it a bit more because the Facebook post has kind of gone a bit viral and so many, like there's like 3,000 comments and so many of you asking questions and feeling seen and also talking about your kids and glad that perhaps your kids can end up successful like me. Um, so if it's helped you, I'm glad. Uh, but that's all for the ADHD chat now because coming up next, there is something that has been <laughs> almost as long in the making. Um, one of my very dear friends, Dan Brophy, uh, is a Madonna expert. And as you all know, my very dearest friend, Michael Lucas, is also a Madonna expert. So what you're going to hear next is... A Madonna off. Who is the foremost Madonna expert in M. Rossiano's life? <laughs> what a question. We'll find out next. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Okay, um, and now I'd like to welcome. <laughs> do you like my professional voice? Do you normally comment when I do a professional voice? No, I do. Oh, no, sorry. I was, oh, he's I was, all geared up. Oh, no, I am. I'm in, I'm in competitive Here we mode. Go. She's gone into Eye of the Tiger mode. I'd like to welcome <laughs> to the Emsolation podcast a dear friend of mine, Dan Brophy. Good to be here. Hello, my darling. <laughs> Hello. Um, you did miss the ADHD intense interview that oh. Jan, Jana Venti conducted uh, on me. That would be very relevant for me because I have actually in the process of doing my own ADHD discovery. This is wild. And it's not because I inspired you to. You at the same time as me realised. Yeah, yeah, actually the reason I called attention to it was, was because when I started working with other people, I realised that other people got things done. <laughs> in a way that I actually wasn't capable of doing. And because I was paying them, I was like, I would fire me right now yeah. compared to how much better all these 20-year-olds are at actually achieving things without, like, you know, mm. in, in lengths of time longer than 25 minutes. Oh, my goodness. So you'll get, oh, wow. So I, so I took a friend who's a psychiatrist out for coffee. I said, look, this is what I'm experiencing. Could this be a something? And he goes, I think you've got a good grounds to explore it further. Mm. So I'm about to sign up and do the proper assessment. Yes, which is what I've done and... Oh, God. Well, we, like attracts like. It wouldn't surprise me. And, no. And, and also all my favourite people, all my best mates in the world are all on on the spectrum of ADHD in some capacity. Oh, my goodness. Well, here I am. Uh, here you are. Case in point. Uh, Dan and I met in 1998. 
eight. Yes. Uh, when, when, were, when were white string bikinis? <laughs> I bought Have a white string. No, I bought a white. Oh, my God. If I tried one of those on now, people would, they would call the wildlife <laughs> police if they saw me in a white bikini. It would not be good. It would not be good in any way. I went to General Pants. Dan was working there at Shopo. And um, I may have sold you a pair of Royal Elastics. You did. You sold me some Royal Elastics. Oh my God. Remember Royals, those shoes? Is this legitimately how you met? Yes. yes. You, I was. I was. Bad I was. I, yeah, I was 16, working at General Pants, Doncaster. Mm-hmm. Amy came in to buy a bikini. I poked my head just near the top, top of the change room and said, Look at me. Look at me. How does, it, how does it look? How what does it look? Look at me. And I said, and oh, I, Kimmy, I've got one, one word for you. Amazing. And we, we came, And I said, as a straight 16-year-old year old, this is what I have to say about that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. So there are two people in this room that met you when they were straight. Straight. Yeah. I run a Myself as a fairy in Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> and, my, and myself asking him how much um, under-eye glitter was too much to go to a rave at the it's, Docklands. It's true. <laughs> we were straight. And, when, and, we, and we became inseparable. And when I introduced him to the, the elders, the, the elder gays, yeah. as we called them, they were all like, Emmy, come on. I'm like, pop, pop, pop. He hasn't realised yet. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin Don't it for ruin him. the surprise. Just let him. And they're like, we have to tell him. Like, it was as obvious as you. No, but, but you took the same stance. <laughs> he can't be told. It needs gentle. to emanate from within. Correct. It's a gentle, gentle process. But in the end, here he is. Uh, yes. Stunning homosexual man. She was like my, my doula. She was my, my gay doula. <laughs> she midwived me through... <laughs> <laughs> Into gayness. Brilliant. So, yes. So I've known each of you a very long time and all three of us obviously worship at the altar of one Madonna Louise Veronica Ciccone. And me, I more take the kind of she stole my life, my career, I think she might be my biological mother uh, approach <laughs> one earring, obviously. You guys have gone the route of uh, forensically studying and becoming complete scholars of Madonna Louise Veronica Ciccone. I, I would say that's fair, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for me, I, I always look to, you know, to Madonna in times of need. Like for mm. me, it's a what would Madonna do on a, on a daily basis. Whenever faced with two options in life, it's the, it's the WWMD. Oh, I love it. And also, I mean, look, if I come across a YouTube clip of interviewing, you know, that I haven't seen, mm. I'm surprised. I know. Oh. Yeah, 100%. Oh, here we go. I mean, they're getting the... But they're all being uploaded now by nerds. So you'd be looking and go, oh, my God, I didn't know she did did that interview in 1994 for the Big German MTV. I don't remember that. It's happening, guys. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Also, I feel like we should also. I mean, obviously, I'm. I I feel very high stakes in this competition because I've always been unchallenged in my own sphere as the main Madonna scholar. I've never. And the one time we did do a test on this, I only dropped one question. And frankly, I think it was a technicality. I think. (laughs) But um. No. But but also to compound matters, Dan's younger. And this is why I'm so happy to be here because I'm dating someone that's younger than me and he doesn't give a crap about Madonna. Yeah. Oh, so I'm constantly well trying to... Well done keeping the relationship together. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it, it, I like to be... I like the challenge. It keeps me on my toes because I think if I was with an aficionado like mm-hmm. myself, I wouldn't have anything to work for. You wouldn't even have memories of when she first appeared. He's not that much younger than us. No, I'm, I'm 38. So I'm, you know... I'm, but I do want to just point out, then this will hurt you, he has like... I... Look... Met her and I know this. also hooked up with one of her backing dancers. Sure. Like he hung out with her when she was here. I'm so I sorry. I'm like so sorry. Should, I'm so sorry. We should say, 
Yeah, I look like what I am, which is someone, a nerd who would pay no. thousands of dollars to go a concert. Dan looks like someone Madonna would have dated in the early 90s. No, now. Dan looks like, oh, he's too old. You're too old. Yeah, too, too, too old. Too, old. Yeah, too old. white now. Too well. old to date her now. Too white. True. Yes. No, he's half Indian. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Like, oh, no you're totally, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I give her the cred. She's ticking the boxes. <laughs> No, did you did get to meet Our Lady Madge, didn't you? I, I got to meet her backstage after she did that. Stand-up that, show that we're that all at at 4am. We yes. were all there, all three of us. Tears of a Clown, yep. a, a, a.k.a. Tears of the Crowd. <laughs> and we and then uh, I didn't have a good experience with her because she, she had a few drinks so on drunk. stage. Yep. She was rude. She actually thought I, I was I asked Everyone around her was very sycophantic. They're like, oh, my God, Em, you're amazing. Oh, my yep. God. Yep. And I wanted to ask her a real question. So I say, oh, well, this is a really interesting show tonight. Is this like a blueprint for the sort of show you might want mm. to do in the future? And she deadpans me and goes, are you press? Oh, and Michael would have jizzed his pants at that moment. Like, that would no, be amazing. I, you, no, you would I love that. That would have been my reaction. He would love that. Are you pressed? No, because like that's that. like her being it's, suspicious. It's, no, it's her saying, "Get out of my." Yeah. Oh, no, I she love wouldn't that. like to be. No, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, and then my, the friend who introduced us was like, "Oh no, no, M, this is my friend Dan. Like he's great." Did she get called M? M, yeah. Oh my god. And the reaction you want is not, "Are you pressed?" The reaction you want is, "You have an innate understanding of my work. Do you want to come and go out on my boat and watch dolphins in Miami or something like that?" Like I once did. We should we should work together. Have yeah. Do you know that I've spoken to her on the phone? What? Yep. When? I'm sure I've told you this. No. This is going to be the world's longest podcast. Keep going. I was working for Baz Luhrmann. Oh, I'll just pick that name up. Oh, no, but it, yeah, I was. And I was working late Guys, at night. this is a hardcore flex, by the way. This is, yeah. this is Michael fucking flexing. A call comes through at about sort of 7.30 at night and there was no one on reception anymore. So I pick up the phone and I go, hello, Baz, Mike, this is Michael speaking. And I just, lit, I hear, hi, it's Madonna. Can I speak to Baz? And I was like, and I, I couldn't remember how to transfer the call. I just couldn't remember what to do with the buttons. And so I go, absolutely, absolutely, I'll just put you through. It panicked, put the phone down, and the bolted, bolted all the way through. It was quite a mansion he lived in, bolted all the way there. I'm like, Baz, 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 it's Madonna, it's Madonna, it's Madonna, and I, I can't transfer the call. I don't know what I'm doing. And, so he, and then Baz was, like, frozen for a second, and he, like, bolted with me, and we bolted the whole way up. And then he gets there, and he was, like, calmed himself down, and he goes... Madonna, hi, it's Baz. Anyway, and they chatted for a while and that was it. So basically I got her saying hi, it's Madonna. And the reason she wanted him to direct her confessions on a dance floor tour and he turned her down. I'm kind of glad that he did because Jonas Ackland, who did it instead, did one of the greatest. Okay, all right, here we are. The Madonna dicks are out. They're flopping them on the table. And as of that note, I begin the Madonna off. I want you both to know that these questions were written by the president of the Madonna Australia fan club, Daniel Garnier. He is an avid listener of this podcast also. And um, these are legit questions. They're, they're tough, they're hard. The rules of engagement are your buzzers, your names are your buzzers. Buzz in. So your buzz is... Michael? Yes, and your buzz is... Dan. Ooh. He's only got one syllable. What do you want to do, Mike? No, that'll be Michael weird. Will be fine. Mike I've just got to get it in front. Makes me okay. uncomfortable. Okay. I um, might slap my hand at the same time. Okay, fine. If you get the question wrong, the other person gets a chance. To okay. Answer. Do you know the rules of engagement? I, uh, yes. I understand the rules. All right. I'm sure there'll be some appropriate dramatic music inserted by MDV, my editor. Here we go. Question one. What is Madonna's family business? Michael. Yes. Uh, her dad runs a vineyard. Correct. One point, Michael. Okay, <laughs> question two. Don't slap the table. Sorry, Liz. It's really fucking. <laughs> Sorry. <everyone. laughs> okay, 
Which of the 16 celebrities mentioned in Vogue is an athlete and what sport did they play? Michael. Oh, Michael. Joe DiMaggio, baseball. Yes. Oh, my God, that's so butch. (laughs) Okay. Oh, Dan, come on, baseball. Probably because there's a Madonna reference. Okay, here we go. Okay, this is an easy one. I knew this. This is a gimme, so get ready. Question three. When Madonna's sex book was released, who was she dating at the time? Dan. Oh, Michael. What? Who? Vanilla Ice. Fuck. Sorry. (laughs) You're so good. You are old. He, no, you were only a half second behind. Okay, come on, Dan. The Get aggressive. You can second. do this. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Question four. Who does Madonna lick on the face in her video, Beautiful Stranger? Dan. Yes. Like mine. Yes. Oh, yes, babe. Yes. I don't want to play favourites, but I don't want him oh, to win because I'll never hear the end of it. All right, here we go. Question five. In 2005, Madge fell off her horse. Dan. Collarbone. Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> She's fucking good. Okay. Love that for you. Here we go. Question six. In 2003, the spy comedy film Cody Banks came out. What is its link? Michael. She's a producer on it. Yes, correct. Okay. (laughs) That's obscure. Okay, here we go. Question seven. Name the song this lyric is from. How could it hurt you when it looks so good? Yes. Oh, I know it. Hollywood. Yes! Yes! Ooh, the stakes, the stakes. I'm jizzing. I'm jizzing. <laughs> Question eight. What do Hannah Gadsby and Madonna have in common? Michael, they yes. both kiss women. I don't know. Is that your final answer? No, well, there's got to be more than incorrect. that. Oh, damn, they both had specials on... Both incorrect. They have the same agent, Team ID. Oh. Okay. Number nine. Okay, here we go. Name Madonna's siblings. Dan. Okay, go. Christopher. Yes. Michael. No. (laughs) Michael Lucas, go. I'm going to say there's a, is there a Mario there? Yes. And I'm going to say there's a, there's, there's so many. There's so many. Jennifer there? Yes. Um, Just a night of a thousand Jennifers. (laughs) A night of a thousand Jennifers. Um, um. Fuck, and there's the artist. There's the female artist. Okay, I'm going to have to wind you up soon. Okay, no, I don't know. Okay, both fail. Christopher, Melanie. Melanie. Paula, Anthony, Jennifer, Mario and Martin. Chacone. Yeah. Okay, fail. Question 10. What year did Madonna leave Michigan for New York City? Dan. Yes. 1977. No, 78. Oh, I was going to... Anyway, all right. I knew it was the birth year of my birth. You did not know that. I did. Lies. Of course I did. Liza Minnelli. Question 11. What year... There's some easy ones here, so you get your confidence back. What year did Holiday come out? Dan. Yes, Dan? 1982. Michael, can I come in? Yes. 83. Oh, damn. Michael didn't even need to be told. (laughs) Oh, this is close though, bitches. Is it? Okay. Question 12. How are Patricia Arquette and Madonna linked? Dan. Yes, Dan. Desperately seeking Susan. But also... Second cousins. What point each? Desperately second season and their tenth cousins. Uh, point each. Point each. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Question 13. Which Australian media outlet is banned from all Madonna events? Wow. Oh, it's the first double stump. Anyone? Anyone? Three, I, two. Uh, have a guess. It would be. It, it would be something like New Idea or Woman's Day or something like Incorrect. that. Incorrect. The Daily Mail. 
Oh. Question 14, same. M. Rossiano has the same rules. <laughs> <laughs> Question 14. Who is Madonna's longtime guitarist? Michael. Ooh, I'm giving it to Dan. Monty Pittman. Yes! <laughs> Not to be biased. <laughs> yes, Dan. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, question 15. Name all of her children in age Martin. order. In age order. From, from oldest to... Oldest to youngest. Lauders. Yeah. Rocco. Yeah. David. Yeah. Mercy. Yep, here's the tricky bit. <gasps> Which twin came first? Esther. No, 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 no. Sorry. Fuck. No, I'm out. Oh, no, wait. Damn it, I know I'm not giving away a thing. Okay, say, so what are you going to get it? So wait, I can get it. Say now. it, say yeah, it. No, say, no you got to say it. Finish your order. So you've gone Lourdes, Rocco, David, Mercy. Then who came I next? I can't remember the twins' names. You're going to get it. Oh, my God. You're um, out. Okay, don't. so I'd say Stella and Esther. It was Estelle first. Ah, oh, Estelle first. But Dan oh. gets the points because he knew the name. Oh, I said Estelle. Shut up. I'm the rule maker. <laughs> I make the rules. Oh my God. Okay. 16. Okay. What did Madge famously yell at her wardrobe team in I'm Going to Tell You a Secret? Even I knew this one. Her wardrobe team in I'm Going to Tell So in the behind the scenes documentary, which I'm assuming you've yeah. seen, I'm Going yeah. to Tell You a Secret, she famously screamed something at the wardrobe team. I remember her saying, I can't stop shitting. <laughs> yes. But Something about her outfit. Stinks. I'm not a button person. Come on, you two. Okay. I knew that. You don't remember that? I don't think that documentary person was famous. Yeah, okay. Question 17. What happened between Kevin Costner and Madge in 19- Michael. Yes, Michael. She in... Dan wasn't born, to be in, fair. In, no. in bed with Madonna. He came backstage and he said, I thought your show was neat. And she said, um, nobody calls my show neat. No, she Correct. said, anyone who says my, my show, show is neat has to go. go. <laughs> but then what subsequently happened? She did an apology on stage to him. In she which said tour? You the, don't have to answer that, but you oh, get it. I think, <laughs> I think the, it. The Canada leg of the tour. I think it was the Rebel Heart tour, wasn't it? Or the Earlier. MDNA. MDNA. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well done, Michael. Okay. Oh, you were both very good at that, but I'll go back to my little score sheet. It's very close. <laughs> okay, here we go. Question 18. Which bottled water company does Madge prefer on her rider? Dan. Dan? Fiji. Yes. How do you know that, you freak? Rand- He's been backstage. Correct. <laughs> I'd stole one. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't ever washed that bottle. Question 19. Finish this quote. I always thought of losing my virginity. As a career move, Michael. Yes, Michael. Yes. Strong. Coming back, Lucas. Coming back. Okay. Oh, this could be rigged. I'm Italian. This could go yeah. either way. <laughs> okay. Question 20. Which... Oh, this was fascinating. I only learnt this today. Which movie role did Madonna miss out on in 1992 that she... Damn. Cam- yes. Chicago. No. <gasps> that she campaigned hard for. 92, wanted it badly. Oh, uh, Michael. She actually wanted Laurie Petty's role in League of Their Own. Damn. She did want that, though. Incorrect. No, I, I got... She, she wanted Frida. Nope, she wanted the role of the bodyguard that Whitney Houston later got. There you go. She did. I think that's all my questions. Oh. Yeah, that's it. That was a really anticlimactic end question. Sorry, guys. The bodyguard. But Whitney got it. Around that time as well, there was a failure to launch version of Chicago with Demi Moore. And oh. Madonna. Oh, no, and Goldie Hawn. No, Go- Goldie okay. Hawn. That was a bit I'm later, the I think. Master. Yes. You can't argue okay, new so questions. We can just Here we go, the final count. Okay. Uh. Michael, one, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Dan, 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh my God, it's a tie. Oh. I don't know how that's possible because eight plus eight equals 16 and there were 20 questions. Well done, everyone. Yay! Well, that was the best case. Well done. And ultimately, this has been filmed in HD, so you're the real winner, let's face it. Oh, and ultimately, I've ADHD, so no one can yell at me for tabulating things wrong. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) All right, that ends Emsolation for this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Dan Brophy, thank you for doing the Madonna off. My pleasure. What a joy. Michael Lucas, I hate how knowledgeable you are. (laughs) This is Emsolation. That's it. We're done. Well done. We first episode as a Spotify exclusive finished. We've moved in. We've unpacked the boxes. We're having a wine. We're enjoying the feel of new carpet under our toes. We've lit a candle that smells of fig and cigar. Oh, that would be nice. Anyway, please enjoy the funky, funky outro music that you're now hearing. Yes, I wanted to send you all into your day with a strut. And I said to my friends, Bestie and Zeke, who are from Entente Music, who also helped me record all my Rage and Rainbow songs, can you write me some funky, funky outro music? Because I want everyone to go into their days strutting. You know, like you're in a film clip and you're walking to the beat down the street and you catch yourself in a shop window and you're like, yes, queen. That. That's what I want for you. I want to remind you to follow us on Instagram at Emsolation Podcast. My daughter Marcella is the social media captain and all the supporting documents, photos, videos are there. It really brings the podcast to life. We'll also have a Spotify playlist yes, with Madonna, with JLo and pretty much any song we ever mention. There'll be information for that over at Instagram as well. I also just wanted to let you all know that I am on tour in June. I am coming to you. Adelaide, Brisbane and Sydney, please come along and see my band, support the arts, support live musicians, my crew. Uh, you know, it's it's just so wonderful to be back out on stage and it feels like it could be taken away at any time. So I'm just trying to get it in. Uh, Emraciano Live and Unleashed, information at emraciano.com. That's it. That's all I have to say to you. Thank you for choosing us. You know it means the world to me. And before I go, I do want to let you know that the Emsolation podcast is produced by me, M. Rossiano, also executive produced, executively produced by the incredible Ben Wosley, who also writes all the podcast descriptions. He's also the voice you hear introducing us at the start of the podcast. I want to thank Mark Davila for doing all the editing, and that's a job. Marcella, my daughter, for doing the socials. Liam O'Bree for making the wonderful videos that go up on our Instagram and Jem Evans for all her assistance. And until next week, guys, thank you so much for choosing us and, um, you know, have a wonderful week. I don't want it to end. Like, I'm going to let it end so you can listen to the funk music. Bye, guys.